Thank you for listening to the Paradigm Podcast. Paradigm is a young adult ministry that exists to see lives changed by Jesus. For more information about Paradigm, go to ParadigmKC.com. We hope this message is inspiring and life-changing. Thanks for listening. incredible what God is doing in this place. This is nothing short of a miracle to rally and to gather uh, young adults all across the KC metro area to lift up the name of Jesus. And so it is truly an honor. Let me start out by just introducing my family to y'all. There should be a picture up on the screen here. This is my beautiful wife, Kathy Gaucher Jones. Yes, she is a raging Cajun from Missouri. Nope, not from Missouri. Yeah, yeah, got you, some of y'all. She's a raging Cajun from New Orleans, excuse me, uh, Louisiana. Like she is a peer blooded. Like she didn't even want her uh, middle name anymore, y'all. Like she kept her last name and is using it as her middle name, if you heard it right, Kathy Gaucher Jones. So that's my wife, Kathy. And then we have three kids uh, Camille, who's five. Uh, and then Isabella, who's three, and that is Caleb, my uh, son I prayed for. I did. I would have taken all girls, but the Lord heard my prayer. Come on, somebody. Uh, that is Caleb, and so he's wanting some change right now. And so that's my family, and it is a joy uh, to be here. They all made the trip. Uh, we piled in the uh, Toyota Sequoia, and we drove up here, and uh, we wanted to be back where we invested almost six years of our life into Abundant Life, which is an incredible church, and the Paradigm Young Adult Ministry, which hopefully you'll hear more about in a little bit. But uh, let me pray, and as I do, I, I want you to pray two things. I want you to pray for me that I would get out of the way, and that God would be glorified, and that his word would speak, my voice would be minimized, and his voice would be maximized. And then I want you to pray for yourself, that God would um, begin to reveal to you wherever you are in your faith, whether you're just examining the evidence of Christ or you're all in, that God would reveal something tonight in you. So let's do that right now. God in heaven, we come before you right now knowing that when your word is opened, there is power and there is authority. Apart from that, God, I am a mortal man who is powerless and who carries no authority apart from you. And so would your voice be made clear tonight? Would you move any fog, any confusion, that is in this place and would you, your voice go before us and would it be maximized for your glory in Jesus' name, amen. Well, I thought I'd start out by just sharing a story with you. It was when my wife and I, Kathy, were dating, I decided to uh, plan a trip to the Grand Canyon. Anybody been to the Grand Canyon? Yeah, and so, man, the Grand Canyon is amazing. You're gonna see a pic up on the screen here. And so this is just, I mean, this is breathtaking, but this picture does not do it justice, y'all. Like this picture is, um, you know, about as best as you're going to get apart from being there. And so I wanted to go to the Grand Canyon. I uh, love God's creation. And so we're at the Grand Canyon and uh, we get there and my roommate from college, not Chad, another guy named Joe said, yeah, man, we, 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 did, the, we did the hike. We, we started at the rim and we went down to the base and enjoyed the Colorado River and we came right back up. What little did he say is it took him all day. 
like from 7 a.m. to, um, you know, 7 p.m. Uh, or, or later. And so we, I'm kind of just like, oh, we, we can do this. It's like the South Rim. Come on. It can't be that hard. And so uh, we, we get out of the car, and we're, it's about 12 o'clock noon, right? And I'm, and I'm just saying, hey, babe, let's do this. Let's, let's just start at the top of the rim. Let's walk down, and, and let's just enjoy the sights and the sounds and the smells um, along the way. And, uh, and I'm just not very planned out on this trip. And, and it, it goes to show, right? And so we're halfway down and we're taking selfies and we're taking pictures and we're enjoying lunch overlooking the canyon. I'm just like, this is amazing. And, uh, and I'm having a whole lot of fun. And I'm like, that Colorado River doesn't look that far away. Lo and behold, it was another hour and a half. And at this point, it's like three o'clock, right? And uh, something like that. And, and we finally get down to the base of the, of, the, of the canyon. And we're dipping our toes into the Colorado River and we're enjoying it. And one of the hikers comes up to us and just says, man, isn't this, isn't this awesome? I'm like, heck yeah, it's awesome. He's like, where are y'all staying tonight? I'm like, staying? We're, we're, we're hiking right back up. He's like, what? And I'm like, yeah, yeah, man, we're hiking right back up. And, and he's like, you mean you're not staying in a hotel? It's like, well, if we should stay in a hotel, maybe, we, maybe we'll, you know, Go get a hotel. He's like, oh, no, man, they're booked months out. And he's like, do you have a lamp? Do you have a headlamp? Do you, do you have anything? I was like, bro, I, I mean, no, I don't have a headlamp. I mean, we're just hiking, you know, and I think I'll just get back up there before dark. He's like, bro, you're not going to get back up there before dark. It takes twice as long to get back up there because you're going up the canyon. You're not coming down, bro. And it took you a while to get down here, didn't it? Oh, yeah, yeah. So just times two. And so at this point, I'm like, I'm freaking out. I'm, I'm frantic. Kathy's like, I'm going to kill you. And I'm like, hey, baby, it'll be okay. I got this. You know, you got me. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm fit. If I got to carry you up, I got you. And so I, I got a, a little bit of water left in the water bottle. So I'm just like drinking it. You know, not even sharing any with her because your boy's got to stay hydrated, right? And, and then about fourth of the way up the, the rim, She's like, I'm thirsty. I'm like, girl, I like when you say that. <laughs> and, and, and so, and, but, but, but here's the deal. Here, here's the deal. I started being thirsty. And, and, and it wasn't, you know, that, that thirsty is like that cotton mouth type of thirsty where you're just kind of dehydrated and you're just like, what am I going to do? And we're only about a fourth of the way up the, the canyon. And all of a sudden, we see this couple coming down and we just begin to engage with them like, well, you're going up? Because we were the first people that they saw going back up. There was no one going back up. It was just people coming back down. And we started engaging with them like, what, what are you doing? Well, we're on a honeymoon. I was like, oh, that's amazing. Well, do you have any snacks or do you have any water? Because we're, we're, we're hungry at this point and we're thirsty. And so they just started giving us water and, and snacks. And, 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 and we finally, uh, by God's grace, we get up there. But we're walking through uh, the canyon and it's dark. And I'm hearing different sounds of mountain lions. And I don't know how close they are, how far they are. But by the time we get up to the rim, I'm exhausted. Like I'm spent and I'm thirsty. And I start there tonight. You're like, man, where are you going with that story? But I start there tonight because we're all on this journey called life. Trying to reach certain destinations. And just like we were physically thirsty, this is a picture of some of us tonight who come into this room and our lives spiritually are thirsty. 
Like this is a picture of some of our lives spiritually. You're thirsty because you're running to the next relationship or the next sexual high, the sex or whatever you're doing behind closed doors with that significant other or you're running to that bottle, that party or that drug or you're running to that, you know, that, that, that's making six figures by 30 and you're just trying to climb the corporate ladder and you just think, man, if I, if I just get to the next promotion, if I just get to the, ne- the, the, the next, you know, tax bracket. It's going to satisfy my thirst. Or, or, or you're, you're running to the next car purchase or to the next materialistic possession that you can have. And all the long, it's never really satisfying your deepest longing. It's never really satisfying your thirst. Or, or some of you think, man, like me, 29 and single. Man, when am I ever going to get married? If I just... If I just find my significant other, then it's going to satisfy that, that, that craving, that thirst. And some of you come in this place, you're married, and you're like, man, if we just have kids, and it just doesn't stop, y'all. It's just the next thing after the next thing after the next. And some of those things aren't bad in and of themselves, but that's what you are placing your identity in to find satisfaction. And tonight, we're going to open the Bible to a story in John chapter four. And we're gonna see an interaction between Jesus and a woman. And they don't tell this woman's name, but this woman is at a well. And Jesus is going to share with this woman the secret to satisfaction. And listen, I really resonate with this story because for a majority of my life, this was me. I couldn't get any satisfaction like the song Rolling Stones said a long time ago. Like, you know, some of you just wear the shirt, the Rolling Stones, because everything's coming back, but you don't know what the song says. But the song literally says, I can't get no, come on. Let's go. I won't sing anymore because I can't sing. But, but, that's, that, but that's what the, 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 the picture is of this woman and Jesus at this well. Long before the Rolling Stones ever said that phrase, I can't get any satisfaction, Jesus meets a woman at a well that, that can't get any traction, that can't get any satisfaction. It's John chapter four. And so we're looking at a story between Jesus and this woman at the well, and he's about to share what most of us are looking for tonight. John chapter four, starting in verse three. So he, Jesus, left Judea and returned to Galilee. He had to go through Samaria on the way. Hold up. Here's what's important about this. Jews didn't go through Samaria. There were some racial tensions between the Jews and the Samaritans. See, the Jews didn't associate with the Samaritans because they were half-breeds. They were half-pagans and half-Jews, and Jesus was a Jew. And so uh, Jews would go around Samaria instead of going through it. And and so we see that Jesus isn't going to be like the rest of the people, his people. He's going to go right through Samaria. And, And here's what's interesting. If you go around Samaria, it would add days to your travel. But we see that Jesus isn't going to be like everyone else because he's on a mission to pursue this woman, to pursue the one. And so he goes through Samaria because he has something, he has someone he wants to meet. Eventually, verse 5, actually let me back up, I missed a couple verses. Stay with me. 
So he had, he had gone through Samaria on the way, and he says in verse five, eventually he came to the Samaritan village of Sakar, near the field that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus was tired from the long walk, sat wearily beside the well about noontime. That's important, you can just circle noontime. Soon a Samaritan woman came to draw water, and Jesus said to her, please give me a drink. Here's the, here's the deal with the, with the noontime. Nobody goes and draws water in, in the middle of the day, in the middle of the scorching heat, unless they're living in shame, unless they're living in guilt, unless they're living with condemnation and they don't want anybody to see them. Why would she not want anyone to see him? Let's keep reading. He was alone at the time because his disciples had gone into the village to buy some food. The woman was surprised for Jews refused to have anything to do with Samaritans, not Jesus. So she said to Jesus, you are a Jew and I'm a Samaritan woman. What, why are you asking me for a drink? So there's something interesting that we're gonna read as this text unfolds. There's something interesting that what's interesting in this woman is living with shame because there's a particular sin that she keeps running back to. And we're gonna find that out here in a second. But if you're taking notes, first point I wanna make tonight is the pursuit. Is the pursuit. This, this story is Incredible, because Jesus is um, defying all the odds, defying what, what Jews would normally do. He goes right through Samaria because he's on a mission to pursue this woman who's caught with shame and guilt and condemnation because of sin that's going on in her life, the text goes on to say. And in a world of almost 8 billion people, Jesus is on a mission to pursue you wherever you are tonight. That he says, hey, I don't, I don't care if you feel like you're, you're, you're forgotten by the world. I see you. I don't care if you come into this place with sin and shame and, 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 and just this, 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 this ability to, to not get over this, this, this disgusting uh, feeling that you have because of the sin that you're engaging in. That was my story. And Jesus wants you to know that he is on a mission tonight to pursue you wherever you are. So you might feel forgotten. Or you might feel like you're too far gone. And the story is embedded in the Gospels in John chapter 4 to remind you that you're not. That Jesus is pursuing you. For a large majority of my life, like I would just hit up God when I needed something, if I needed to do well on a test or, you know, I played baseball for a, a long time. So I just needed a good luck charm. You know, Jesus was nothing more than a rabbit's foot redeemer to me. So I would just kind of wear this cross necklace and it was no different than just this decoration that I wore around my neck. Uh, you know, this symbol of Christianity all the while living no different than the rest of the world. But Jesus, in the middle of that, was still pursuing me. And all of my sin. Like tonight, you come into this place and, you know, maybe you just see Jesus as this person that you just go to that's just kind of foreign. He's kind of in the clouds and he's not really intimately acquainted with what's going on in your life. And the Bible would say that's, that's wrong. He's coming after you tonight. Or maybe you see God as kind of like the police. Uh, for me, I, I, I got a lead foot, y'all. And so I just have a track history of, of speeding tickets. And, and, and I just remember getting pulled over it like three times in a matter of one month, like almost you know, having to go serve some time in, in jail. 
And I share that with you tonight because some of us, we see God as like this person that's trying to get us, like when we're in, in, in wrong, like when we're in sin, and, and he's not really there to, to pursue us and to, to love us and to show us. He just wants to catch us when we're offsides or catch us when we're speeding or catch us when we're out of bounds. And, and I'm here to tell you tonight that that's, that's not how God is. That's not how God is with this woman at the well. Like she, God, is, God is pursuing this woman just like he is pursuing you tonight because he loves you. He's not coming to get you. He's coming after you, not because he wants to catch you in your act, but because he loves you. And here's what I learned, man. Like I, I learned that God was coming after me when I was a junior in college and you know, I didn't have this rock bottom moment. I, 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 I was playing college baseball and I got national hitter of the week. And, you know, for a majority of that season, I was the life of the party and, you know, had the stuff and I had the accolades and, you know, you know, I, I ran to the bottle and, I, it, and it, it was, it was fulfilling for a season. But you know how Jesus pursued me in that season? He allowed me to, be, to, to get to a point where I became unsatisfied and unfulfilled with the things that I was pursuing. See, Jesus pursues us in a lot of different ways. Sometimes he's just like, all right, have it your way. Tell me how that works out for you in a little bit. And he just kind of lets you go and lets you do your thing and only to find out that there's no satisfaction in that. Listen, I wouldn't be here today if Jesus Christ didn't pursue me. There was a time in my life where I was running to all these different wells to find satisfaction, but Jesus came to me in my mess. Jesus met me at my well, and he wants to do the same thing in your life. Let's continue to read how this story unfolds, and let's figure out why this woman came in the middle of the day, the scorching heat, Jesus replied in verse 10, if you only knew the gift God has for you and who you are speaking to, you would ask me and I would give you living water. But sir, don't you, you don't have a rope or a bucket, she said, and this well is very deep. Where would you get this living water? She, she's still operating in the physical realm. She thinks that this water is physical, but Jesus is talking about the spiritual of you and I. Verse 12, and besides, do you think you're greater than our ancestors Jacob who gave us as well? How can you offer better water than he and his sons and his animals enjoyed? Jesus replied, anyone who drinks this water will soon be thirsty again, but those who drink the water that I will give will never be thirsty again. It becomes a fresh, bubbly spring within them, giving them eternal life. Verse 15, please, sir, the woman said, give me this water, then I'll never thirst again. I won't have to come down here to get water. So she's still thinking, hey, this is just some like physical water that I'm never gonna have to come and draw water from this physical well again. But then this hard shift happens in verse 16. In other words, Jesus said, hey, in order for you to experience this living water, you're gonna have to get real with where you're at. This is where God is not just a God of comfort and providing her a solution for her problem, but he's also a God of conviction. Check this out. Go and get your husband, Jesus told her. I don't have a husband, the woman said. Jesus said, you're right. Thanks for your honesty. You don't have a husband, for you have had five husbands, 
and you aren't even married to the man you're living with now. You certainly spoke the truth. And look at the woman's response. Sir, the woman said, you must be a prophet. You must know something about other people and me that no one else knows. See, she's still not quite sure if this Jesus is the Messiah or the one that everybody uh, in, in, in the Jewish community and even the Samaritan community would, would, be, would be anticipating that's coming. But she's, she knows that something is different about Jesus. Point number two, if you're taking notes, the promise. The promise. Look at what Jesus is promising this woman, living water, a water that quenches every longing this woman has ever had. And we see from this text, the woman's greatest desire was to be loved. Did you see that? The woman's greatest desire was to be loved, you know, to be satisfied because she was looking in all the wrong places for she was drinking from the well of men. She had gone through one broken relationship after the next, after the next, five divorces. And in our day, man, that's an uncommon thing. In the first century, it would have been unheard of. But does Jesus, is he, is he repelled from that? No, he moves toward this woman in the same way he's moving towards you tonight. See, God is a God of comfort, a God of love. But he's not just a God of love to keep you right there in your sin. He's a God of love that would call you out of that sin because there's a way that seems right to man or woman, Proverbs 14, 12 says, and that way ends in death. And so he loves you enough not to keep you in that place. See, she got in these relationships and she thought, man, if I could just have this person or this guy, then, then, then man, I won't be single the rest of my, my days. But it just led to one broken relationship after her next where she had given up on marriage altogether. She had been drinking from the well of men and she was thirsty. The fact that this woman had all these issues is not driving Jesus away. So one of the things that I love about working with young adults is uh, learning this incredible vocabulary, this glossary of words, what these words mean. And uh, it keeps me young, right? Um, I'm 38. I don't know if you could tell, but uh, that was a joke. Uh, but, but, but they keep me young, man. They, they do. And so some of these words that I'm learning are just kind of funny, like this, this word bet, you know, like bet, oh, bet, you know, this it just means like I agree or, or cool, right? Or uh, another one is uh, I, I wrote here, this word of uh, no cap, no cap. What does no, no, what does no cap mean, right? No cap means, uh, it means no lie. Why? Nobody knows, you know? Just, just someone made it up or throw shade, you know? I'm just like, that's kind of old. I kind of heard that, but it kind of was a review for me as I was talking to some young adults. Perhaps the most biblical of them all is this word thirsty. <laughs> and, and if you're laughing right now or you're snickering, you know why. Because thirsty in our day and age means uh, to be desperate, to want something, to, to want a relationship, to want to be married, to want sex, to want something that is outside of maybe God's provision for you. And I think that the most honest person that embodies this word thirsty is the woman at the well. That she was thirsty that she was thinking that one relationship after another would fulfill her. And she's learning from her experience and now she's learning from Jesus the truth about who God is 
that none of that can fulfill. Isn't, isn't that true for us, though? There's a part of our hearts that just think that um, this is going to fulfill us. Maybe, maybe you're like me. And, uh, and you're just like pleasure. It's pleasure that's going to fulfill us. So, so you, like me, run to pornography. I did that for 10 years of my life. A porn addict for a decade of my life. You know, the, you know why we run to pornography? Is because we want to feel wanted. There's this need of, of feeling wanted. There's this need to be affirmed. So we, so we run to this illegitimate way to fulfill that need. And so tonight, like maybe, maybe your pleasure isn't porn. Maybe your pleasure is, is overeating or undereating. You know, and, and because everything in your life is out of control, you, you overeat because that's the one thing you can control. Or, or, or maybe for you, your, 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 your pleasure isn't porn or, or, or overeating. Maybe, maybe your pleasure is Instagram or social media. And, and so you, you just think, hey, if I could just, you know, have the more, more likes or the more followers or, or, or I could get some affirmation from this pleasure of scrolling, then that's going to work. That's, that's going to that's gonna fulfill me. Or, or maybe your pleasure is the party, and you just jump from one party to the next, just seeking that thrill, th- seeking that high. And Jesus is saying tonight that the pleasure will never fulfill what only he can fulfill. Maybe, maybe it's not pleasure. Maybe it's people. And so this is, this is my story, man. See, many of us, we come into this room with a daddy wound. I have a mama wound. She left me when, when I was going into the sixth grade. And so I never had the approval of my mom. And so I'm constantly seeking the approval of other people because I never had her approval. And so I would run from one legitimate or illegitimate relationship to another. And all the while, never leaving the women better than when I found them. Always just pursuing women for selfish gain because I thought people would fulfill me. Or I thought the affirmation of my coach would fulfill me. All the while not realizing that the only person that I should be seeking the approval from is Christ and what he says about me and who he says I am. And if we try to go to one bucket after another bucket, the bucket of pleasure or the bucket of people, It'll never fulfill us. Or maybe, maybe it's not that for you. Maybe, maybe it's the bucket of performance. And you're just performing, man. For me, before Christ, it was just stats on the baseball field. How many home runs I could hit. How many RBIs I could drive in. How many hits I could have. And I was constantly just seeking the, the, the approval of other people in my performance. And, and, and even today, after Christ, you know, after I've come to Christ, there's still this constant urge within me to want to live in this neighborhood or want to have this position or want to, uh, you know, have this salary. And, and if I'm not careful, man, these things aren't bad in and of themselves, like I said earlier. But if I try to find my identity and my purpose in performance... It's just an empty bucket. It's just an empty well that'll never fulfill you and I. So these, there's these broken buckets that your soul was not made for. And I remember, man, getting off the bus 
from a three-game series playing baseball and asking myself the question, is that it? Because if these things aren't gonna do it anymore, what's gonna do it? And I went back to my apartment that night. This is way before Chad was my roommate in college. I had teammates that were my roommates. And they were getting ready to go off to the party. I just said, hey, I'm taking this one off. And I remember vividly saying, God, if you're real, you gotta reveal yourself to me, man, because these things that I'm pursuing, the party, the sex, the alcohol, whatever the thing is, even the cheating in school just to get by, they're not leading to life. They're leading to more and more anxiety and more and more depression. And I really was, came to a point where I was just like, man, I wanna take my life. I don't want this. If this is where it's gonna lead me to, I don't want it. I just said, God, if, if you would reveal yourself to me, I, I'll follow you. And, and by his grace, over the next few weeks, God started revealing, myself to, or revealing himself to me. And I read this passage in 1 John 3 that basically just said, when you live in continuous sin, it shows that you belong to the devil who's been sinning, sinning since the beginning. But the son of God, Jesus, came to destroy the works of the devil. And those who have been born into God's family do not make a practice of sinning because God is in them. See, I would call myself a Christian, y'all. But my life looked no different than the rest of the world. And when I read those who make a practice of sinning, God is not in them. I just circled practice of sinning. And I was like, that's my life. It's not saying that you would be perfect. But it is saying that you would progress. And that when you do sin, you're not making excuses for your sin. You're making war with your sin. And that was not the life of Josiah. I would just make excuses and be like, at least I'm not like that dude in church. <laughs> And when you do that, you can always find someone worse than you, which gives you security in the fact that you're not that bad. But I stopped comparing my life to other people, even in the church, and I started comparing my life to Christ. And my mouth was stopped of all justification. And I just got on my knees and I just said, God, I know what you've done for me to pay for my sin. And I finally, for the first time, see my sin on the cross. Not other people's sin, but my sin. And I get what you deserve, and you got what I deserve. It's called the great exchange. And I got up from my knees, and I just said, God, I believe in that. I don't believe in what I can do to make myself right. I believe in what you did for me to make myself right. That you didn't just die, but the scripture says in history records that you rose again three days later to defeat the sin and death that I carry in this body. That I have hope beyond the grave that I have hope that when I do fall into sin, that that doesn't have to define me. What you say about me defines me. I'm forgiven, I'm uh, uh, filled with grace and mercy and forgiveness. Where are you at tonight? Where are you running to, to find satisfaction, to find a thirst, to, 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 to quench the thirst that every single person comes into this room with? You know, it's kind of like uh, the salt water, man. <laughs> You're like, what is this? This is salt water. You know, 70% uh, of the world contains salt water. Do you know that? Like, let me, let me make sure I got that right. 70% of our planet makes up salt water. Or salt water, another way of saying it, makes up 70% of our planet. Only 1% of our planet makes up Clean water. Imagine if I was just up here just sipping this all, all, all message. I'm just, I'm just sipping it. Maybe I'll just do that right now. No, no. Because here's what you got to understand about salt water. 
the more you sip it, the more thirsty you're going to be. And the more thirsty you're going to be, the less that your thirst is going to be quenched. And so what God is saying in his sovereignty to this woman and what God is saying in his sovereignty to you tonight, Paradigm, and to me, is that, hey, just like salt water won't thirst your greatest longings, people and pleasures and performance will never fulfill your greatest Longings, it won't do it. You can, you, you can get to the end of your life and you can be the most successful person. But if Christ isn't at the center of it, it's gonna lead to unsatisfaction, unfulfillment. It's gonna lead to a wasted life, the Bible would say. And that's what Jesus is saying to this woman at the well. And so this lady believes in verse 25, that the Messiah is coming. And so she goes on and says this, I know the Messiah is coming, the one who is called Christ. She still doesn't understand that it's Jesus. And when he comes, he will explain everything to us. And I, can you imagine Jesus in that moment? It's like, girl, I just explained that you had five husbands and the one that you're living with is not even your husband. I just think that's crazy. But then this is what Jesus says. If I can't make it any more clear, let me say it in verse 26. Then Jesus told her, I am the what? Messiah. I'm the one that the Old Testament talks about, that there's going to come a God that's going to save the people from their sins. I'm here. I'm the Messiah. And so, man, I can't, can you imagine this moment, her hearing this? She's like blown away. And look at her response in verse 28. You got to check this out. The woman left her water jar beside the well and ran back to the village. The thing that she thought was going to quench her thirst, she left it. She said, man, I, I don't even need that anymore. Why? Because this man told me everything I ever did. And I, I believe in that moment, she believed that Jesus was the Messiah. Jesus was the Messiah. And so it goes on and says, this woman says in verse 29, come and see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could he possibly be the Messiah? I think she's just asking the village. Like, I think she knows deep down that this is the Messiah. Why? Because she goes out and tells everything that this man had done so that people she, she says all this stuff. So the people came streaming from the village to see him. This is crazy, man. Like Jesus didn't just save her from something. She, Jesus didn't save her just from her sin. Jesus is saving her to something. What is this thing that he's saving her to? He's saving her to this idea that you and I need to grab onto tonight. We need to latch onto this truth that we are called to know Jesus and to make him know. Like when Jesus called me out of my sin my junior year in college, like he wasn't just calling me out of my sin so he wouldn't call me to something. He was calling me out of that season so that I would leverage everything I have, my relationships, my time, my treasures, my talents, to make Jesus known, to know him and to make Jesus known. This is what God is calling you tonight to, Christian. You tonight. If like you say you're a Christian, this is what he's calling you, to love God, to know him, right? Because you can't love God without knowing him. And to what? Love others. And how much do you have to hate somebody to not tell them the good news of Jesus Christ? 
that you're dead in your trespasses and sins, but God, through Christ, the the visible image of the invisible God came. 2,000 years ago, he put on flesh and he paid for every sin, past, present, and future. And all of our sin was poured out on him at the cross and he soaked up every last ounce of God's wrath, the wrath that should have been poured out on you and me. That's the gospel, man. And he's saying, hey, go and share that. This is why you have breath in your lungs tonight. And so point number three, if you're taking notes, and final point, the purpose. The purpose. This woman was discovering her purpose and what she was made for. She came to the well to try to find water because she was thirsty physically. And she came noonday because she was shameful and she was... Felt like a disgrace. She didn't want anyone to see her. And she has this incredible interaction with Jesus. And Jesus is like, man, hey, you can, you can keep drinking that water, but it's only gonna do, go so far. Like it'll quench your thirst physically, but spiritually you're gonna keep wanting more and more. And it'll never do what I can do for you. And so Jesus doesn't just change her physical circumstances, he changes her spiritual circumstance. Little did she know how spiritually thirsty and dehydrated she was that day because sin was robbing her of life and satisfaction. Then she meets Jesus in the moment and Jesus changes her purposes to know him and to make him known. And the Bible records, it goes on and records that this was the first a convert in Samaria that led to a mighty move of God among the Gentiles in Samaria. Why? Because Jesus was running to the people that nobody wanted to run to. He was going after people that were often forgotten. Nobody wanted to go to the Samaritans, but he did because he knew that there was someone that was gonna flip that entire people group on its head for the glory of God. She found her purpose that day. Mark Twain said the two most important days of our life is your birthday and the day you discovered why you were born. And I wonder tonight, Paradigm, do you know your purpose? Like if I was to ask you tonight, what is your purpose? What would you say? What would you say? You know, every promise that Jesus gives us comes prepackaged with a purpose. And listen, I'm thankful that God has forgiven me from my sin. He has showed me grace and he's given me eternal life. But I'm equally as thankful that he has given me new purposes to know him and to make him known. And now I wake up every day and I'm just, man, I'm excited about sharing this hope that lies within me, whether it's to young adults in Dallas at the porch young adult ministry, or it's waking up and I'm going to grab coffee at the, at, at, at Starbucks and I'm sharing the gospel with the barista or today, man, out of all places, man, I, you, you know, I had to come into this place with a fresh fade because your boy couldn't be coming in here all nappy and looking ugly, right? So, so I got my boy Matt. I'm like, hey, hey, Matt, you know the fresh barber in town? And he's like, I got you, bro. I actually got an appointment this morning. You can have it. So I'm sitting there in my barber chair, man. And, I, and I'm like, hey, BJ, what's up, bro? And he's, man, this dude's awesome. Like people fly him out. Athletes fly him out to get this haircut. He's also kind of costly, you know what I'm saying? But hey, we won't talk about that. 
But, but, but listen, man, I'm sitting there and I'm just hearing this story. And I just said, BJ, man, I, I, I got to ask you, man. If you were to die today, do you know that you would go to heaven? And he's like, yeah, man, I, I go to heaven. I'm like, why? He's like, well, Josiah, because I'm a good person. I'm like, oh, BJ, man, thank you for your honesty. And so I'm sitting here talking to BJ, and I said, hey, BJ, let me ask you, bro, if you could get to heaven based on your good works, you being a good person, what was the point of Jesus dying on the cross? And he paused, and he's like, oh, man, you got me. <laughs> and I'm like, man, I'm not here to get you. I'm here to share this hope, the truth of God's word with you. See, here's the problem, BJ, is, is there's nothing you can do to to bridge that chasm of separation. God is holy, he's perfect, and we're not. And you might try to bridge that chasm through being good, through having good works, or you being religious and going to church and having a Bible, but none of that will ever stand up to a holy God. It will always fall short. But do you know what Jesus did for you, bro? He died on the cross. That's the only eligible thing that can pay for your sin and my sin. And the Bible says that you're saved by grace through faith, not of yourself. It's a gift from God so that no man may boast. You know what, BJ? If you could boast about it, if I could boast about making myself right with God, I would boast about it, bro. And so the only appropriate response when you stand before God is, God, not, not my works, not my attendance to paradigm, but because of what your son did for me on the cross. That, that's, that's what makes me right with you. That's why I think I should be in heaven because I place my faith and trust in that. And it's like God is giving you this key, man, called the gospel and your story. And, and he's got people in your path that are sitting in prisons, like the same prisons that you used to sit in if you're a Christian, and he's giving you this key called the good news of Jesus Christ and your story and how he's changed you. And he's saying, hey, use that key to unlock the prisons that other people are sitting in, the barbers, the baristas, the, 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 the people in your cubicle, the people in your apartment complex, your neighborhoods. There's people that need to know the good news, the good news of Jesus Christ. And he's saying, hey, will, will, will you do that? Will you, will you allow me to change your purpose to know me and to make me known? And this is what we see in the story. This was the passion that God led me to back in January of 2014 when he started burdening my heart for Kansas City, the metro area, because I didn't see a move of God through the generation of young adults that were here at the time. And so we decided to move up to Kansas City and we just started tilling the ground and we just started over, you know, turning over the rocks, as I like to say, and shaking the bushes and just compelling the few young adults. We had about 20 at the time that said they'd go all in and share the gospel with people. And this is where we met, man. This is, this is where we met. This is, this is the core right across the street, this little game room. And we would gather in that space every Tuesday night at seven o'clock and we would just say, hey, God, whatever you wanna do with us, hey, we're yours, Lord. We, we, we wanna be about your business. We wanna be about knowing you and making you known, Lord. Would you just take our, our 20 and would you multiply it? And he's, he did, man. And we launched 
the ministry officially in August of 2014 that year. And we had a large group gathering with the band, everything you see today. And 117 people showed up. And then from there, it leveled out to be about 80. And then six months later, we had 150. And a year and a half later, we had 200. And before we know it, the third third year came and we had 350 and I called up Chad and I said, Chad, you got to come on, bro. I need help. I'm struggling. I'm burning out. I'm tired. And God brought Chad up here. And before you know it, man, it just started growing to 400 to 500. And this is what we see today. Would you just look around at what God's doing in this place? A 2,000 seat auditorium and and we, we, who knows, man, what God can do. But the mission, the mission doesn't, doesn't change. He's calling us to do the same thing, to know him and to make him known. And I'm just wondering, is there, is there anyone tonight that wants to be about that? Because you can be about a lot of things in this life, but to miss out on that one is to miss out on why you were created. Amen? And you might get to the end of your life and be like, man, you did a lot of things. You accomplished a lot. You met some cool people. You experienced some pleasure. But without God at the center of it, man, you wasted your life. As I land this plane, man, I just want you to see how Christ is pursuing you. Can't you hear clearly the promise that he's making, that he has living water from a well that won't ever run dry? That he's going to satisfy any thirst that you came into this place with. And finally, won't you see the response that he wants to give you to his purpose of knowing him and making him known. And listen, there's nothing more confusing if you say you know Christ, but you don't share Christ. I will go on record to say, hey, if you're saying you know Christ, but you don't share Christ, you might not know him at all. Notice how I said might. It's not my job to judge you. It's not my job to tell you where you are in your faith, but it's your job to do do an inventory tonight of where are you. So here's where we are. As we land this plane, as we close out tonight, with every head bowed and every eye closed, there's two groups of people in this place. There's the first group that you just need to know Christ. You know you don't know Christ. You know you've been faking it like I did for so long. 22 years of my life, man, I said I was a Christian. I said I was a believer, but my life looked no different than the rest of the world. And you need to have a healthy view of God tonight that God ain't mad at you, he's crazy about you, he loves you, he's pursuing you, he wants you, but he ain't gonna force his love on nobody. So tonight, would you respond to that if you aren't in Christ? And then two, if you are in Christ, if you know you have a relationship with Jesus, but you know you're not living on mission and you've gotten passive and you've gotten comfortable and, and you gotten kind of apathetic because this message is familiar to you. And, you know, I always say that familiarity would drive apathy if we're not careful. And so today, every day, man, I try to, I try to remind myself of what God has saved me from. I preach the gospel to myself every day so that I would have fuel to go out and be God's man, that I remember what he took me out of and where I'm at today. And how humbling that is to know that God can use me in spite of me, that God can use you in spite of you to accomplish his purposes. And tonight I'm wondering, will you walk in those purposes? God in heaven, would you be with my friends tonight? 
Would you allow this message to go out? And would you allow people to come to know you? And those who do, would you put them on a mission that hasn't changed since January of 2014? And would they look at these empty seats, not so that we can fill a room, but so people can hear the good news of Jesus and come to know you in a personal way and be saved from their sin and hell and be put on a mission that quite frankly is better than any mission that we could live on. And so for the teachers in the room and for the baristas in the room and for the people that maybe work for the city in the room and for the, you know, people who are in business, the, the, the people that uh, have these occupations, would they see that you are asking them to leverage those things to make you famous? God, would they experience you in a new way because of the faithfulness that they're gonna walk out of this room and do. Lord, we love you and we thank you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.